we are no longer on the list of rejected in sickness but we are now accepted in health we are no longer on the list of rejected in poverty in lack and want but we are now accepted in abundance and prosperity we have now shifted from the holy to the holy of holies because but of the grace of God. Praise the Lord. I welcome every one of us on this Resurrection Sunday, which marks the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we know, Easter is the most important day in Christendom because it marks the difference between us as Christians and any other religion. The major difference is that our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, died and rose again. However, just before we delve into the subject of understanding the meaning of Easter, I would like first of all to invite each one of us to pray. Father, in the preciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. We glorify and we magnify your precious name. Thank you for your Son, who knew no sin, and who became sin for us. Thank you, as it is written in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. As it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might be ours, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for the great exchange, the beautiful exchange on the cross of Calvary. You became poor that we may be rich. You were made sick that we may be healed, that you brought us deliverance on that same cross. And then you went through death that we may be saved. In Jesus' precious name we pray that everyone who will listen who will hear this word, will be saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. My message today is the exchange at the cross. On the cross where Jesus Christ was crucified, there is a deeper spiritual meaning of what happened beyond the physical crucifixion. Indeed, it was a shadow of the substance of things which really happened. What I mean by shadow is, by him being crucified first physically, it represents the death of a criminal. That's a shadow. And the substance of that is that because we are all sinners, we are meant to be killed as a criminal on the cross. But then Jesus died as a criminal, that is now the substance, so that you and I that were meant for that cross, where he replaced us and took our place, you and I will now be, will now be, will now be saved. So now, at that cross there was a divinely ordered and there was a divine ordained exchange. So, Jesus, for example, received the evil that was due to us, as I just explained, that we might receive the good that was due to him. Let us remember that Jesus walked this earth 
as a man, 100% man, as God, 100% God, tempted in every way, yet without sin. Therefore, he deserved to live in life and life in abundance. But instead, he decided to give us his righteousness, to give us his abundant life, and in exchange, take our wretched life and take our sinful life and die in our state. So therefore, when he died on that cross, there was an exchange. We're now going to delve, we're going to see and study what happened through that exchange. Number one, what are the aspects of the exchange? Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. That's the first thing. We see that in the book of Isaiah chapter 53, from verse 4 to verse 5. All the scriptures that I'll read here are from the New King James Version. Surely, it says, he has borne our grief and carried our sorrow, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The first thing that happened as an exchange is that he was punished that we may be forgiven. Like Isaiah the prophet said, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Why? As sinners, we are due to be punished. Yet we esteemed him stricken. It was as if it was him who had committed that because he took our place. Smitten by God and even afflicted. But he was wounded because of our transgression. The reason why he was wounded, not because of his transgression, but because of my transgression, because of your transgression, because of our transgression. He was punished that we may be forgiven. Therefore, we have to understand that anytime we have a guilty conscience, no matter the level of guilt that you have, remember the exchange at the cross of Jesus. Through that exchange, no guilt will continue to prevail in your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. Number two, Jesus was wounded that we might be healed. Matthew chapter 8, 16 to 17. When evening had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirit with a word. I want us to take note of with a word, just by his word. He cast out the spirit. And then it says, and healed all who were sick. All. It means except no one. Everyone that was sick was healed. 17. That it might be fulfilled again, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. We now see that all these people that were brought to Jesus, of all manner of infirmities, all manner of sickness, all manner of diseases, 
and even those that were demon-possessed, none of them returned home the same way that they came. Why? Because it was prophesied by Isaiah that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, will be punished for us to be forgiven, that he would be wounded that we might be healed. Again, let us not buy into the lie of the devil that because of this sin that had been committed by my grandparents in our family lineage, this is the curse that has been perpetrated. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, which is higher, which is superior in quality than the blood of our ancestors, it has brought an end to that curse in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, Jesus was made sin with our sinfulness that we might be made righteous with his righteousness. Please take note of the contrast. Our sin and states of sin, which is sinfulness, in contrast to the opposite of sin, righteous, and the state of being righteous, which is righteousness. And righteousness can only be achieved through faith. We become righteous by being and by exercising rather our faith in God. Now, the scripture for that, it's still Isaiah 53, 4 to 5, which we read. But I'm going to read again. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrow. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Five, but he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisements for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Another complimentary scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it says, For he made him, it means God the Father, made him, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus who knew no sin, who was righteous, living in righteousness, became sin as if he was living in sinfulness like us. God made him. It means initially he wasn't. But God made him through the exchange on the cross. He who knew no sin to become sin. That we might be righteous and enjoy the righteousness of God. Through that particular exchange on the cross. And every single exchange that happened, we only benefit from it with one thing and one thing only. Our faith. We just have to believe, that's all, and then we receive. Just believe and receive that righteousness. For God made his only begotten son sin, meanwhile he was righteous, so that us that were in sin, we become righteous. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let every burden, every guilt of sin, of sinfulness in your life, be destroyed in the name of Jesus Christ. Number four, Jesus tested death for us that we might share his life. We shall remember John chapter 10 verse 10, for the thief comes except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
And Jesus says, and I have come to give you life, not just life, but the God kind of life, life in abundance. And that life in abundance manifests itself as living in eternity, living wealthy, and living healthy, life in abundance. So living in eternity, the opposite, it is living in eternal judgment or in eternal condemnation, which you call damnation. The solution for living in eternity is simply salvation, which replaces damnation. And then by living healthy, it replaces poverty. And by living wealthy, sorry, by living healthy, it replaces sickness. And by living wealthy, it replaces poverty. That's how we enjoy that abundance of life, life in abundance. We can see that example with Abraham, the father, who lived at the age of 175. He lived healthy. And Abraham was blessed in everything. He lived in prosperity. And Abraham... We, hear in, we read in Luke chapter 16, the bosom of Abraham. There's a place in heaven called the bosom of Abraham. So he's living in eternity. Living in eternity, living wealthy, living healthy. That is to live in abundance. Now, Jesus tested death for us that we might share his life. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than angel. Do you understand? Initially, he was not a little lower than angels, but here he was made on purpose, the exchange on the cross. What was the purpose? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, Jesus, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. The death that was appointed for us, that's why we've got tribunals. That's why, that's why we've got courts. And that's why we've got prison. That's why we've got prison. Because if somebody commits crime, the person has to fulfill, the, the law is to be fulfilled, and the person needs to go to prison. In fact, hell means the prison of the spirit. So now, because we have sinned, we are meant to test death in hell, damnation. Once more, God says Jesus instead is going to test to test that death in hell. That's why he went to hell, actually. When he died, and he went to, to hell, and after three days, he rose again. He died on Friday, and resurrected on Sunday, which is today, Resurrection Sunday. He tested death in our state, instead of us. He tested death for us, that we may share his life. And again, only faith is required for you to believe that it's only by faith that we are going to live that life and life in abundance and not in death, simply through the exchange on the cross. Number five, Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. I really love this one. Galatians chapter 3, 13 to 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, as it is written. Cursed is every man that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us, the Gentiles, that we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Curse. Anyone in Israel that was cursed will be hanged on the tree. Or rather, anyone who's hanged on the tree is believed to be cursed. 
And Jesus Christ endured that death on the cross. He was made a curse. When they say he was made a curse, it simply means he wasn't a curse. It was a blessing, but he was made a curse so that the curse that we were would be exchanged for the blessing that he was. That we might receive the blessing. Speaking of this, we have two heir to Abraham. The Jews who are heir to Abraham by birthright, simply because they are the children of Abraham, from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, and so on and so forth. And then you have us. We also become heir of Abraham. We receive the blessings and the promise of the blessing of Abraham through Jesus Christ, who himself was a heir of Abraham, and who lived in righteousness and exchanged his life for us. Therefore, us, who were not initially in the grand plan of God, simply by believing in Christ, who is linked to Abraham, we can claim, proclaim, and receive, obtain the blessings of Abraham. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the promises of Abraham and his heir is ours in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, we've just spoken about curses. And if the Bible use, uses a word, it's not by mistake. That's what we call inerrancy. The word of God does not contain error. If the word of God says there's a curse, it means there's a curse. Whether we'll choose to believe or not. It has been proved that we have certain indications that prove that there's a curse in someone's life. Seven, seven keys demonstrate the presence of a curse. Number one, mental or emotional breakdown. Where in a family, there's always mental sickness, emotional breakdown, where leading to constant, continuous depression. No matter the level of wealth, no matter the level of success, there is that dark cloud always hanging. It's, a, and it's an emotional breakdown. A mental breakdown where the mind cannot fun function properly. It's an indication of the curse. Of course, we can see all these in the book of Deuteronomy. However, we don't have sufficient time to cover that. Number two, repeated or chronic sicknesses, especially what I even called hereditary sicknesses. It means there's a sickness which can be identified to a family. For example, a family where there's always high BP. Almost everyone suffers from high BP. Suffers from, I don't know, some chronic diseases. And it is well documented. Even a doctor will ask you a question. Did your father suffer from this? Did your mother suffer from that? That chronic sickness is an indication of a curse, biblically. Number three, repeated miscarriage or related female problems. That's the third indication of a curse. Where a woman is unable to give birth 
or she is unable to carry the pregnancy, there's always an abortion somewhere, somehow. Or related female problems. All the women in this particular family have this particular challenge. The mother has it, the grandmother had it, now the children have it, and they know that the children who are yet unborn will have it. It's a curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Number five, continuing financial insufficiency. It's possible that you may have financial insufficiency, but what I'm trying to say here is this. When the income that the family generates, that the family receives, the business revenues, are far more than sufficient. For example, the very well-known world family that makes millions of US dollars every single month, they still live in insufficiency. For the mere fact that it's a curse. In fact, the Kennedy family shares this particular tray. Millions, but they are never satisfied. It's the proof of a curse. Continuing financial insufficiency. I do remember this particular case of this rich man who set out to do a business after his retirement. So he wanted to have a chicken poultry. And uh, he bought a land. And after buying that particular land, uh, the chicken started ha uh, hatching and so on and so forth. But after a while, he started losing on a daily basis so many chickens that were born, they would just die. He hired many veterinarians and kept hiring and firing many of them. And it actually just grew worse. The most qualified veterinarian came. Eventually, he decided to speak to the elders of the place where he had acquired the land. And they said to him, young man, Whenever you come and you set out to do a business, you should also ask questions about the place where you want to lay the foundation of your business. And they said to him, this particular place has been consecrated to idols. And we use to sacrifice at least one chicken every single day. But then we abandoned this place of worship for a long time. And unknown to him, he just found a very beautiful place which used to be a place where these sacrifices were taking place. So he now put his business there and all those demonic powers started claiming and he started losing and started losing. What it simply means is this. You can't claim to solve a spiritual challenge with a physical solution. You can't see a demon, a demonic operation using an x-ray in a hospital. It's not possible. In fact, it's almost as if you are trying to drink tea with a fork. It can't work. It's a curse, manifestation of a curse, which is affecting a business. Incidentally, speaking of business, business is a war because you have to win clients. You have to take clients from another business owner. It's a war. Nevertheless, it's even a spiritual war. No wonder that many do go into dark covenants in order to succeed in business. 
because it's a war. Business is a warfare. Just by the way, one of the great business strategy book is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So a continuing financial insufficiency is an indication of a curse. That curse is broken in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ as you hear this word right now in the name of Jesus Christ. For it is written that Jesus cast out all those demons by his word. Six, accident prone. You must be involved in an accident all the time. Year in, year out. I do remember at some stage in my life, I was prone more than 10 years ago to accident. Every single year I had to have an accident. In the first half and in the second half. And the one in the second half was always more severe. However, when I discovered that it was a pattern, I had spoken to a man of God and we prayed and he cursed and he destroyed that curse. From that time, I have never been prone to any such accidents. Sometimes as Christians, we do want to appear sophisticated. It is not acceptable to be talking about the curse. But the reality is right there. It's not about, like I said, how it sounds. No word has been put in the Bible by error. Everything in the Bible has a meaning, has a place, and it must be resolved. Number seven, suicides and unnatural death. Having that in your family, it's a direct pointer to a curse. A natural death. Somebody just comes, complains of a little headache, and then the person goes to sleep, suddenly the person is gone. And then after a while, the same thing. You find, for example, certain trades, certain, um, um, I'm sorry, um, uh, tendencies, certain patterns, certain traits in families where people don't live beyond a certain age. That's a curse. You also find, for example, that certain women cannot, for example, just hold on up to a particular age or they cannot get married no matter what. One of such families, just by the way, where there were five women, none of them had been married neither nine of them had ever had a child and in fact all of them were virgin and the oldest one was i think 52 years old and the youngest one was 38 five one day as one of them was listening to such a teaching she decided to break that curse according to her she said she went into a vision and she found herself where she was married into a palace and then she said she saw three ladies that were dressed exactly as she was dressed and they were all married to a certain king. And then she, when she looked at the face of those four ladies, it was the four sisters. And then she looked at that king she was married to. She said, I divorce you in the name of Jesus Christ. That same year, she was, she got, um, somebody was interested in her for the first time. And a year after, she was married. It's a typical curse. Curses are real. It's extremely important. We just don't want to talk about it. But they are real. And the beautiful thing, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, every single curse in your family, in your business, in your work, in uh, anything that touches to you is destroyed today. In the name of Jesus Christ.
Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. So this is another aspect of the exchange. I just finished about the exchange between the curse and the blessing. The next one, which is the sixth one, Jesus endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, might have abundance for every good work. And Deuteronomy chapter 28, 47 to 48. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, and in need of everything. And he will put the yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. What it means is that by reason of our sin, by reason of our sinfulness, it does attract poverty. What I'm trying to say is this. Poverty is also a result of sinfulness. However, Jesus Christ, by replacing sin with righteousness, he has given us salvation. It will interest you to know that the word salvation, which also means preservation, means to live in eternity. The word salvation means healing. The word salvation also means deliverance. And it also means prosperity. The word salvation also means deliverance. And the word salvation still means redemption. So the word salvation in its own has many meanings embedded in it. So by receiving that salvation, not only that we live in eternity, but we also live wealthy and we also live healthy. By having that salvation, even poverty is substituted with abundance. Christ has redeemed us, remember, from the curse of the law. As it is written, curse is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might become ours. The blessing of Abraham appointing also to the prosperity which Abraham enjoyed, which can be seen in the book of Genesis chapter 13. And this Abraham also, who came up from Egypt, was rich in gold, silver, and cattle. The blessing of Abraham. The same blessing of Abraham that we see in the book of Genesis chapter 12 from 1 to 2, where there are seven Abrahamic blessings. I will make your name great. One, you will be a great nation. Two, I will bless you. Three, you will be a blessing. Four, I will bless those that bless you. Five, I will curse whom that curse you. Six, and then seven, uh, through you shall all the family of the earth be blessed. These are the seven Abrahamic blessings. Now, if we look at the seven, from one to seven, and you look at the middle, the middle it's blessing. So if you are a blessing, it means your name is great. If you are a blessing, you are a great nation. If you are a blessing, it means you are blessed. If you are a blessing, it means blessed shall be those that are blessing you. And if you are a blessing, you actually don't even have to pray sometimes for your enemies. Cursed shall be those that are cursing you. Because you are in a state of blessing where God has blessed you, 
as the curse comes, it bounces back and returns to where it's coming from. And then eventually, if you are blessing through you, shall all the family of the earth be blessed. These are the seven Abrahamic blessings that we receive again through the exchange on the cross. One of them will exchange your poverty to your life in abundance in the name of Jesus Christ. Again, another exchange on the cross. Jesus endured our shame that we might share his glory. Matthew 27, 35 to 36. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that he might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watching over him there. Jesus was known to have a tunic which did not have any sewing in it. It was a unique cloth that no one has ever worn on this earth. Every single cloth, there's a sewing somewhere. But Jesus Christ, which had the cloth, straight from heaven, has no sewing. So even the soldiers, when they're about to crucify him, they said that we can't even just tear. Because we've never seen a cloth like this without any sewing. So rather, let's cast lots. And the person who's going to win it will keep it. What it means, practically, glory. The glory of God. So he went through the shame of the cross so that that glory, like his tunic, with no sowing, will become ours. The glory. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captains of their salvation perfect through suffering. So, through the sufferings of Jesus Christ, he gave us salvation. And one of them, again, is glory. Incidentally, the word salvation also means glory. Finally, for today, the last aspect of that exchange is Jesus endured our rejection that we might have his acceptance. Matthew chapter 27 45 to 51, it says, Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Helai, Helai, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that said, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. 47, 48. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, or what we call vinegar, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. 49. The rest said, leave him alone. Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. It means he gave up the ghost. He died. Then behold, at that particular time, which was, let's take note, the ninth hour, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Not the bottom to the top, but from the top to the bottom. And then there was an earthquake and the rock was split. In the Old Testament, once every year, it was appointed for a high priest 
to offer as a propitiation of sacrifice on behalf of others, propitiation, by getting into the Holy of Holies once. And he would do that by passing from the Holies and then into the Holy of Holies. And uh, a rope was around the, the waist of the priest. If it took unnecessarily long, they would guess that he has probably been killed by God. And then they would just pull the rope. So it was a very scary, and it will happen only once, a very scary event only once per year for the propitiation of sins. But now through the death of Jesus, can you imagine? We have a high priest who will get into the holies of holies, and we are so certain that God the Father will never destroy him, for he is without sin. He's always pleasing God. Two, we don't have to work so hard between the holy the holies and then the holies of holies because the veil has been torn. And it has not been torn from the bottom to the top. It means from man to God. Mm -mm. It has been torn from God, from the top, from heaven to the earth. It's a decision from God to open up a propitiation. And with that, we have acceptance. We are no longer on the list of rejected, but we are now on the list of accepted. We are no longer on the list of rejected in our success, but we are now on the list of accepted in our success. We are no longer on the list of rejected in sickness, but we are now accepted in health. We are no longer on the list of rejected in poverty, in lack and want, but we are now accepted in abundance and prosperity. We have now shifted from the holy to the holy of holies because of the grace of God. The last scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, 3 to 6. Blessed be the God of our Father, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So it is God's choice for us to be accepted and not rejected. It is God's choice for us that we will no longer be punished, but we will be forgiven. It is God's choice for us that we will not be wounded, but we will be healed. It means any sickness in your life, whether HIV AIDS, whether TB, any chronic sickness, not only that is made temporal, but I decree instant healing right now. I enforce it by the word of God in the name of Jesus Christ. It is the choice of God who was made sin and get into sinfulness 
that we can be righteous and enjoy righteousness. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no guilt that needs to rule in your life. Receive your salvation and your righteousness by faith. That's all you need. Faith is the currency of the Spirit. Faith is the money of the Spirit. Just like you take money in order to buy goods, so you just take your faith in order to buy your victory, in order to buy your salvation, in order to buy your healing, in order to buy your prosperity, in order you buy your salvation. It's the choice of God for him to test death that we may have abundance of life. It's the choice of God that his son will be made a curse that we would become a blessing. It is the choice of God that Jesus endured poverty so that you and I will live in abundance. It is the choice of God that Jesus endured the shame so that you and I will live in glory. However, there's one thing. If you have heard this word, for the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 10 verse 10, with the heart man believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I know that you have believed, and I know that the devil has done more than enough to bring guilt in your heart, that you have committed sin, adultery, pornography, backbiting, lying, doing to others what you don't want them to do. An action of sin that you have committed is a sin of commission. Or something that you've omitted to do, it's a sin of omission. Sin needs to be stopped before it stops you. And how do you stop it? Thank God. Romans chapter 10 verse 10. With the hearts men believe, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So I just want you to take your right hand wherever you are and you put it on your chest. Why? This is where the heart is. With the heart, man believes. And please, you're going to confess with your mouth. Jesus, come into my life just as I am. Forgive my sins today. I accept you as the Lord and the Savior of my life. I know that you were crucified for my sake. You went to the cross that I may be saved. You went to the cross you tested death that I might have life and life in abundance. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Amen. I want to assure you that all the days of my life, for those that have made this prayer, I will continue to pray with you and to pray for you so that at the end of it, we will all meet in heaven and that God will give you the power to begin this walk of faith with you. The power to continue, continually, this walk of faith with you. And the power to finish well, to finish strong with, with you. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. God bless you. And happy Resurrection and Easter Sunday. Bye-bye.